You're listening to the Savvy Social Podcast, the show for budding entrepreneurs who want to understand the how and the why of social media marketing. I'm your host, Andrea Jones. Let's get started. Hey, and welcome to episode number 65 of the Savvy Social Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Social Report. Social Report is the world's most complete social media management tool, and it's my tool of choice when it comes to all things scheduling, reporting, and managing on social media. You can try them out for yourself for free for 30 days by going to socialreport.com. And I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Now, I'm super excited for today's guest, Rachel K. Albers. Rachel and I met on Instagram. We have a mastermind group. We all met on Instagram. We're together with Meg Casebolt and Lainey Lamar, and we meet twice a month to talk about our businesses and to grow together. And it's just social media at work. Uh, It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we have a lot of fun um, helping each other grow. Now, for those of you who don't know Rachel, Rachel K. Albers is a designer and business comedian. As the founder and creative director of RKA Inc., a branding, web design, and digital marketing studio based outside of Chicago, Rachel has helped hundreds of thought leaders and visionary entrepreneurs all over the world stand out online without selling their soul or playing the manipulation game. Rachel's clients have used their online platforms to launch best-selling books, five-star podcasts, podcasts, and six-figure funnels. When not crafting epic, unforgettable brands for her clients, Rachel hosts Awkward Marketing, a business comedy show blending fun-sized business advice with storytelling and sketch comedy for entrepreneurs who want to create a meaningful presence online. Think of her as the one-woman SNL of biz TV. And we're going to dive into how Rachel does this because it's so fascinating, this comedic element that she adds to her content. So in this interview, we're going to talk about where the best content comes from. We're going to talk about what tools you need to start online business. We're going to dive into how to repurpose your episodes and share them on social media and the value of asking your audience's opinion. So getting them involved in the process. Now, before we dive into this fantastic interview, uh, just a little bit of an update. So today's my birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday, October 3rd. I'm a Libra. And it's a big 3-0. I am entering my 30s, and I'm so excited. I can tell that this is going to be some of the best years of my life coming up. Really excited about that. Uh, So yeah, happy birthday. I'm giving you this podcast episode as a birthday gift. Now, uh, because of my birthday, I'm actually traveling. I'm headed to Atlanta, my hometown, and I'll be going to the She Podcasts event. So She Podcasts is the first women-only podcasting event, or I guess also non-binary, women-focused event. I I know there'll be men there too, so I think it's just really women-focused. Um, I don't think men are necessarily uninvited, <laughs> but I will be attending this event as a guest uh, from 
October, I believe, 10th through the 13th, October 10th through 13th, I'll be in Atlanta. It's happening at the Marriott Marquis downtown. And fun fact, I used to work at the Marquis, so it'll be fun to be back in my old stomping grounds again. Uh, But if you happen to be headed out to She Podcast, I'd love to meet you. I have some buttons, some savvy social podcast buttons that I'll be handing out. Um, And I talked about this in the last episode, but we're also giving away these buttons for free for anyone who leaves a review of the podcast. So if you head on over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, write a review, take a screenshot before you hit send, because it does something funky when you hit send, you can't see it after that, but write your review, take a screenshot, email it to me. I'm Andrea at OnlineDrea.com. And I'll give you some buttons as well, whether I see you there or not. I'd love to hand out some buttons. Uh, Scroll back a few posts on my feed if you want to take a peek at what they look like. I posted them on Instagram at OnlineDrea. All right, let's dive into this wonderful interview with Rachel K. Albers. Hey, Rachel, welcome to the show. I am so excited to talk to you because... Honestly, your YouTube channel is where I really fall in love with your videos, but I know you got started on Facebook as well, the whole comedy element, all of the things, which we'll get to. Um, But let's start at the beginning of your, I want to start with like where your comedy comes from, like where your inspiration comes from, because I know there are a lot of people out there who want to kind of think outside the box and maybe they need some guidance on how to do that. So how, why are you so goddamn funny? Well, should I tell you the conception story? I mean, I was, I was born in Missouri in uh, 1984. So about nine months before that, my parents got together and I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. That is how it truly began, Andrea. Um, yeah, you know, I was the kid on the playground that like before school and at recess, I was doing parodies of what was on like, you know, the night before's TV lineup, right? Like that's what I was doing in like third grade. Um, Like my impression of Danny Tanner on Full House and things like that. So I've always kind of, and I watched, my parents got divorced. So when your parents get divorced, you get to watch Saturday Night Live with your dad and then come home and have your mom yell at you. So that's how that all got started. I just always was an SNL kid, uh, you know, watching comedy from a very young age. And it's just been an influence in my life. And, um, you know, I, I think that in the first few years of my business, I hid that part of me. I was like, no, business has to be serious. Like I have to be, you know, a serious person. And I, and I kind of kept that at bay, but the more you dive into the world of online marketing, the more it's impossible not to make fun of it. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, a few years ago, I just started, you know, I had enough observations built up that I was like, you know, let's have some fun with this because everybody gets all wound up about marketing and it's very stressful, but there's a ton that we can laugh about. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. So awkward marketing started on Facebook, right? Yeah, and I didn't it didn't have a name. It wasn't meant to be a, a comedy show by any means. It was me showing up on Facebook Live every Wednesday and talking about marketing for twenty minutes. But it was, you know, when you're recording live video, as you know, there's going to be awkward moments. You're going to stumble over your words. You're going to like be a weirdo. And so I started to embrace that and just. You know, I would, in the moment when I was recording a live video, something weird would happen. I'd be like, oh, hashtag awkward marketing. 
you can't spell awkward without RKA. And I had bought the domain Awkward Marketing years before, having no idea what I was going to do with it. I was just like, this has a ring to it. And marketing does feel awkward for a lot of people. So I just bought it, never knowing what I was going to, what the future held. It was foreshadowing. I didn't even know it. And then, you know, you know, midway through the show, a few months in, I'm like, no, that's the name of the show. It's Awkward Marketing with Rachel and Kay Albers, RKA, if you will. And then, uh, the more I played with it and started having fun with it and started to, you know, just try different things, the more the comedy kind of, you know, dripped its way in and became the guiding force of the show. So those first few videos, as you're creating them, did you have like a plan or a goal or kind of what, what inspired those first videos? So I think the first video that I did was something along the lines of like how to know if you need a new website or is your website broken? And it was inspired by all of my content comes from conversations I have with clients, things, trends that I see in the online marketing space, the patterns that I see. My best content always comes from the patterns that I see. And so one pattern I saw a lot was people wanting to change up their website despite it not being the main thing holding them back, right? I think the website is a fun thing for people to shift. Like, oh, I'm going to get a new website and that's fun and it's like pretty and it's exciting. Um, But one question I like to ask people is, okay, is this thing getting in the way of you making more money? Is changing this up going to change your ROI, like going to change your bottom line Or is it a vanity shift, right? And so I think that first video was just me talking about like, how to know when you need to dump your website, you know, and move on and get a new boo. Um, And that was it. I love it. And if you guys haven't seen these videos yet, I'm putting links to my favorites in the chat. The one with the Donald Trump is so (laughs) funny with the little hands. I died laughing. So speaking of the characters, um, how do you, how do you come up with so many different characters? Like what is the, um, process for kind of scripting out the characters and brainstorming them? Cause I know you kind of like, you know, develop them. Um, so tell us, like, take us behind the scenes. What does that look like? Well, I'm about to embark on this again as I batch a whole new season. So I'm in that process already. And so, you know, I batch all my episodes. So I do each if you watch a, a modern episode, like a, one of my newer episodes of Awkward Marketing, I mean, it's a pre-produced show. And as you said, I've got characters, I've got wigs, I've got a green screen. I've, and there's a teaching element of it too. And so it takes a lot of work to get a, an episode from start, you know, from ideation all the way to production and then um, promotion. And so I will batch out each different section. And you know, step one is I'm collecting ideas all the time. So like I said to you before, my best content comes from patterns. So I've got a little note, note, actually, no, the truth is I don't even have one document. It's like my notes app on iTunes or on on my iPhone. I'll be walking down the street and I'll be like, Siri, write a note that says awkward marketing, dogs jumping. And I like know what that means later. And so I've got like 50 different notes that I collect over time that are just awkward marketing ideas. And then step two is when I'm ready to plan a season, I'll sit down with all my notes and I'll just collate here, all of the ideas that I can talk about. Um, And from those ideas, then I'll sit there and say, okay, what is a, 
you know, a funny way that I can bring this concept to life. Like how can I turn the topic of email marketing into a funny sketch, right? And so I'll, I'll, that's when I'll come up with the characters. That's, and I'll have kind of a list of things that I want to do. Like last year I asked my people, okay, what do you want me to see me do? And they said, superheroes, ventriloquism, um, you know, like 80s stuff. Like they gave me like camp, summer camp. I haven't done that one yet, by the way. Summer camp might find its way into this new season. Um, And so then I kind of look at the characters and I look at the topics and I say, okay, how can I bring a superhero into this? Like what would be a situation where I can illustrate this concept? And then I'll come up with all the characters and the rough idea of what the sketch will be. And then I'll buy all the costumes. So I'll go on a big, you know, splurge trip to Amazon where I'm buying like 40 wigs at a time. I wonder what they think of me there. I wonder how the government is tracking me. Like what kind of a threat do I pose to the world at large with all the wigs I own? I don't know. So I buy all the costumes and then I will batch record I'll do like all the guys in one day and all the women in another day. And then I'll do all my teaching in a few days of batch recording. And then before each episode comes out, I edit that episode and get it ready to promote and all the various social media array of it all. So, yeah. I love how you leverage your audience. I wanted to highlight that one point where you said this most recent season, you asked people, hey, what do you guys want to see? I think that's such a smart strategy because now you're feeding into people and you go, hey, you asked for this. Here it is. And I feel like there's something satisfying about that. Yeah, because then they feel like they're involved in it. Or I'll ask them, like, do you think this is a good idea or not? Like I, this last year, I did a, a parody of Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes, which was a big news item, the woman that, you know, created a big company around essentially like false science. Like she, you know, and so I asked my people, I was like, okay, my friends were telling me I should do this. Should I do it? And they voted and they were overwhelmingly like, yes. And so then I did it. And then they felt excited when they got to see it come out. And another thing I do, Andrea, which I think your people will, you know, get a lot of value out of is during the summer, I will kind of syndicate my old content. Like I take a break during the summer. I let myself kind of you know, incubate on new ideas, but I'll do reruns of the show. And one of the ways that I decide which ones to post is I'll have people vote, what are your favorites? And then based on what they voted on, I'll tease out those episodes. Like this was your top five favorite. This is your top four favorite. And so that's another way to get people involved. And uh, I do like a contest around it and I make it fun and it helps to build my list, which is good. Um, and so that's another way I get people involved is getting them to vote on what they liked best or worst and what characters were their favorites and that kind of stuff. Oh, yes. I love that. And that's one of the questions that I had for you as well, which we'll come back to that because you do reshared episodes. But I think there is a strategy there that I want to dig a little deeper on, which is what you do with your content once it's done. You kind of take little clips from the show and you already have those ready to go. They're perfect for social media. So can you walk us through that process? Maybe give us a tip or two for how we can take video content that's already done and share it on social media. Yeah. So, you know, once I've shared an episode, I will, number one, if I'm resharing an episode, I kind of just think of a, of a different spin on it. And maybe I will present it the second time around, like in a blog post, or I will share, as you said, like little clips from an episode, and I will share the link to that episode from those clips. Um, So it's not just like I'm 
taking the same post that I posted originally and just like copying and pasting it over and over again. And I'll write different captions on Instagrams, you know, and test, okay, the first time around I did this, um, I positioned it this way, but maybe the pain point is here or maybe the thing that draws people into this is here. And so I'll play a little bit with how I position that content. I do post all of the content. One of the things that I do that, you know, is I post it all natively on each social platform. So what I mean is I don't just like post the YouTube link to Facebook or LinkedIn or to Instagram. I'm going to post it natively within Facebook, within LinkedIn, within Instagram, because now you're the social expert here, but uh, you know, that boosts the engagement, that boosts the organic reach of that post versus when I'm linking off of the platform. So I do create versions of each video for each platform. Like on Instagram, it's a one minute version and it'll say, you know, link in bio or IGTV for the full episode. And then the IGTV has a special formatting, formatting. Facebook has a special formatting and call to action at the end. LinkedIn, same thing. And I think that really helps to get more push and lift on the video even though, yeah, at the end of the day, I want people subscribing to my YouTube channel, I would re- my main priority is I want them consuming the content. So if that means I have to create different versions for each social platform, that's what I do. And I think it really helps to get lift. And I'll, and I'll you know, position it differently on, on different platforms given the, the language and the culture, if you will, of each platform. Because the part of the video that'll li- resonate on LinkedIn might be a little different than the part of the video that resonates on Instagram. And so... I kind of position it differently and, uh, and yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a good strategy. I mean, that's a strategy right now. I'm I'm talking to one of my clients, like we need to be doing this. So I probably should just send them a few awkward marketing videos and be like, here's what we need to be doing. (laughs) But, um, so when you're, when you're creating all this content, when I hear all of this, it actually sounds like a bit of work. Do you have like systems in place to streamline it? Cause it like, I hear all that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it sounds like a lot. Well, yeah. I mean, so it is a ton of work. I will admit, I'm not gonna, sh- I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. I mean, when I started on Facebook Live and it was just a Facebook Live show, that was a great way to enter into this world because the checklist was much shorter, right? And you know, I had like an outline going into my Facebook Live every week, and I had a little tiny checklist. But then once it's done, it's done. There wasn't a ton of prep work or post work. But with this, yeah, there is. And so, number one, yeah, I batch it, and I've got you know, each of the different batches helps me streamline. Because if I were to be like, oh my gosh, I have to record, plan, record, and promote, and produce all of these episodes of the show and do it on like a week-by-week basis, that would be insane. It would just never get done. It wouldn't be sustainable. Um, But now it's like I batch each phase, like I mentioned before. And then when I'm in promotion and distribution, I've got in my base camp a little checklist that I just replicate for each episode. And then I can go through and say, okay, I've done, you know, here's the, you know, the first steps are this, the second steps are this, the third steps are this. I check them off the list. And then, because like, do I remember what I have to do? Yeah. But if I have to try to keep that all in my brain, it makes me crazy. So then I just go down the checklist and I say, all right, time to get captions. All right. Time to write the Insta, you know, caption, time to write the YouTube, time to get my gifts all created, time to write the email, you know, and I just go down through that and it makes it a lot more digestible, but it is still an investment. Um, and, and I think that I, I don't want to downplay that, but in my opinion, investing time in creating an incredible quality content and investing time yourself, in my opinion, versus trying to delegate all of that out. Cause a lot of people, they want to delegate all their content out. 
I'm not a fan of that. I think you need to be, you know, you need to be spending a significant chunk of your time on a regular basis creating dynamic content. And it's worth it because, you know, you're going to see a bigger ROI than if you're just getting kind of like a generic copywriter to write a bunch of, you know, posts for you or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so, so powerful because your energy is going into it. And especially with a project that you're doing that's so personal, um, it may actually take you more time to to start outsourcing some of those little moving pieces. So definitely see the value in kind of putting your energy into that. Um, You mentioned that you have different kind of clips of the show on places like LinkedIn and Instagram. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the wins that you've had from the show, some of the stories um, that have resonated with people, some of the comments you've gotten for, you know, some of the results that you've gotten for producing such amazing content. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, you know, one win, which some people might think of it as a small win, but I see it as a huge win, is one of the goals of Awkward Marketing is not just as a lead generator, like bringing in new people, but also as a way to warm up my clients so that they are kind of in, they're better clients, right? Like I'm training my clients to be good clients in my content before they ever even reach out to me to become my clients, right? So when I've got new clients that are like, I've watched all these videos and now I'm ready to work with you. It's not just that the videos sold them, but it's that the videos prepared them to be in the position to get the most results from working with me and also just to kind of be in the RKA mindset. So that is a big win, you know. Um, I, I, I just can't tell you how many people I've have found my videos and that's turned into client relationships. That's turned into podcast interviews. It's turned into speaking opportunities. It's turned into, I just did a webinar a couple weeks ago on how to make your nonprofit funny. And that came from my show and people finding me that way. And so it's opened a lot of doors. I've also had people who have resonated so deeply with my videos that then I get these long emails like, okay, you know, I'm dealing with this, you know, difficult person in my job. And then I watched your video and now it's changed my mindset. And like, I had a couple people last week send me, I had a worksheet download at the end of the video. They like did the worksheet with their own clients and they got a ton of value at it. And they're sending me the worksheet to show me what they're, what they did and how they took it and ran with it. All of those are huge wins. Like it's not just, you know, that people are consuming the content, but they're implementing it in their businesses. It's giving them aha moments and that's really, and of course, when any, anybody says, I binged your show last night, like I watched all the episodes, I couldn't get enough. My kids watch the episode, my kids sing your theme song. Well, you know, the attention lover in me is like, okay, I have arrived. If your kids are singing my theme song, I can retire. This has been, this is a success. Let's call it a day. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love that because of the ripple effect, right? It's like you're not only impacting one person, you're impacting their clients, you're impacting their family, even they're showing it to their kids. And I don't know, I feel like that ripple effect is just so much more powerful than, you know, one, you know, I don't know, blog post or something like that. Yeah, and I think the other big one that I'll share here is that, you know, if you're a service provider or you, whatever you you do, it can be hard to always just be talking about here's the off- here's my offering here's my offering here's my offering and it's even harder to get other people to talk about your offerings unless they're your client you're the, they're your direct clients you know like they've experienced you so they're saying oh wow Andrea's amazing she did this and that for me you got to work with her or like I'm so excited about this or that result 
there's a limited amount of traction you can get with that type of, you know, brand recognition. And so the other thing that, that creating this content has done for me is it is a talking piece in and of itself. Like we are sitting here on this podcast right now talking about awkward marketing. And that I think is really important. Like, you know, if you want to get people talking about your brand, creating epic, unforgettable content is one way to do it. So it's not just like, oh, so-and-so sells candles, but it's like, oh my gosh, have you seen this incredible candle show? It's amazing. And here's why. And so, you know, it, it, it goes in the vein of, of something I talk about a lot, which is, you know, great content makes people love your brand instead of just tolerating it. You know, and so I think awkward marketing being a talking point for people is the biggest win that you can ask for as a content creator, you know? I am totally writing down that quote, great content makes people love your brand instead of tolerating it. So powerful. So um, I want to kind of talk a little bit about tools because I made a note here that you talked about Basecamp, which I love a good task manager. Can't live without one. Um, So what are some of the other tools that help you um, produce these shows? I know, um, you know, if someone were starting out, what's what's something that you can recommend? So if you've seen Awkward Marketing, then, you know, you, a lot of people comment on, they're like, oh my God, you must have like the nicest camera or you must be using a really professional editing program. And it's like, okay, the reality is Awkward Marketing is shot on my iPhone. So that's one, you know, one tool that I use. It's not a fancy, and the iPhone has an incredible camera. I mean, I do this on a green screen and I'm able to take out the background. It looks really super high definition. So the show is shot on my iPhone. I mean, I've got a good lighting set. I got a great ring light. I got to tell you guys, if you're going to do video, get yourself a ring light, please. You'll thank me later. Just carry it around with you uh, and just like bring it everywhere you go because it makes you look, you know, 10 years younger and 10 pounds skinnier. But anyway, um, so iPhone and then iMovie, I do a lot of editing on iMovie and then all the extra like really complicated stuff. I do it on Premiere Pro, which is an Adobe, you know, film editing tool. But if I don't have to do it, I won't because my, it's always about keeping everything as easy as possible. iMovie is the easiest to edit on. It's just, you know, when I'm using a really fancy editing tool, there's so much tool there. I'm always having to Google, like, how do I do this? Or how do I do that? And so I only do the complicated stuff there. And then I'll import that footage over into iMovie. And for most people making videos, most people are not doing a green screen with multiple versions of themselves on the screen at the same time, like me talking to me, that's like, you're not going to need to do that. So you're going to be able to get most of what you need done in a tool as simple as iMovie, right? And, uh, you know, when I was even just getting started with Facebook Live, I swore by and still swear by Rev.com for my captions. And we all know that. And anybody who's listening to this has scrolled through their feed and watched a video on mute, maybe for the whole video or at least for the first 15, 20 seconds. So captions are really going to ensure that people, you know, are grabbed by your video and continue watching. Um, So I think that if you're just getting started, that's actually one of the best things to invest in is captions. And the reason I invest in that versus just using the auto-populated captions is because those are crap. They like, it's a robot, a very, very like old robot doing that. Um, It's really worth the $1 a minute I pay for captions from Rev to get captions that are, I would say, maybe 95% accurate. I'll go in, I'll just do a quick sweep, make sure that there's no, like, 
that it's that the cat, you know, that it spells my name right and things like that. Other than that, though, the captions are perfect. I don't need to mess with them. And they ensure that people are actually watching more of my video, which I think is the number one thing that most people are concerned about. Like, are you going to watch past the first two seconds? You know, so yeah, those are my, those are my fave tools, baby. It's actually way less tech than I thought. I had no idea you used iMovie. I love iMovie. Can you believe it? Yeah, I do as much as possible. And they're like, yeah, I do have to use some, do some fancy stuff on uh, Premiere Pro, but not in let, I mean, most people don't. Why would you do that? It's a bit pain in the butt only for like to feel a fancy, just like, and it's the same thing with design. Like I'm a designer, but you know, I still create graphics in Canva and I don't create all my graphics in Canva, but if I have to make like a quick and dirty social graphic or something like that, do I need illustrator for this? Do I need to go into Photoshop and deal with all that? Or am I going to whip this out in 10 seconds on Canva? I'll do that. So, you know, just go with the path of least resistance, people. Yes. Amen to that. So if someone's listening and they're like, wow, I'm really inspired. I want to get started making my own awkward marketing-esque show. I want to be funny. Um, What's a piece of advice that you would give them for starting their own comedy channel? Well, I would say people love a good, let me rephrase this. Hold on, back up the truck, RKA. My content, and I'll say this till the day I die, my best content comes from the stuff that pisses me off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in terms of the patterns I was telling you about before, I especially pay attention to when something is frustrating me regularly. I'm like, oh, this is probably good content. But the trick here is that I don't go and create angry content. Like if I, if I see something in, the, in my industry that's pissing me off or frustrating me, um, I see that as a signal that I've hit upon something that, number one, shows me what my brand values are and how I want to show up in the world because it's showing me what I'm not about. But then two, probably this is frustrating somebody else. So then I'll take that and turn that into some sort of a sketch, some sort of a teachable. So I don't create angry content. It's not like I'm, you know, getting on my videos and being like, I'm sick of it. Like, get off my lawn. Like, no, 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 no. But things that frustrate you often can be turned into funny situations. There's always humor in there. And also that's a way that you can, you know, be contributing something positive to your industry, diffusing your own negative energy around a particular topic and creating something productive with it. Um, so start with what pisses you off. There's some good juicy gold nugget and then go make fun of it. I'm not saying make fun of a person, but you know, awkward marketing is really making fun of all of like the worst bad marketing practices out there and the stuff that frustrates people. And they love to laugh about that. So start, start with what gets you hot in the head. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That's such good advice. Love it. And I think that um, that is actually a good transition into your lead magnet, which also seems to come from a place of like frustration, right? Uh, don't hire a webdesigner.com. Do I have that right? Yes, you have that correct. I, I do. I'm a web designer who owns the domain. Don't hire a webdesigner.com. And it's all in that vein of before you make this big investment, You've got to have these things in place. Here's what you need to know before you invest in branding and web design and development. Here's what you need to have in place, you know, and all of that good stuff to make sure that when clients are coming in the door for me, they're the right clients. But also, I mean, this, my lead magnet and my, my freebie, this ebook is like a public service 
to the universe, helping people make sure they don't just dump a bunch of money into a web design project, hopefully hoping it's just going to, you know, spit back, spit money. I like to say like web design, for example, is not a boomerang investment. It's not money that just comes and whacks you in the face after it does a circle around your head. You know what I'm saying? So I want to make sure people are prepared and they're not dumping all of their hard-earned money into something that's not going to get them the ROI until they've got everything in place that they need to make the most out of that investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go there, guys. Don't hire webdesigner.com. If you are thinking about hiring one, you need this information first. Yes. Uh, yes. So you have a product new-ish product that I love and I want to talk about it a little bit before we wrap up. It's called Let's Do Launch. Um, So this is perfect for my audience because a lot of us are either just beginning or we're just starting in the online space, right? Maybe we've had a business for a while. We want to get started online. And I think this is such a great um, place to start. So can you tell us what Let's Do Launch is all about? I'll never get tired of hearing that name of that course. Let's do launch. I mean, come on. Doesn't it just make you want to like get a frittata and then launch a website? I mean, come on. So let's do launch in the spirit of web design and branding, not being a boomerang investment, not being money that you, you put in and immediately see come right back to you. I see so many newer small business owners in the first few years They'll take all of their marketing budget and spend it on branding and, and web design. And then they realize after they launch the website, a couple things. Number one, wow, what I thought was going to land with my audience or I thought was going to work in terms of my offerings doesn't. And now I need to pivot. Oh God, now I got to redo my site. And number two, oh no, there's all these other things I have to invest money in and now I don't have any money left. And so... Um, I created Let's Do Launch for that newer business owner that really shouldn't be, even if they come to me and they're like, hey, I'm just starting my coaching business. Here's $10,000. Do it up right for me, RK. I'll be like, "Mm, I don't know if this is the best use of that, that money. And what I, so that's why I created Let's Do Launch. Let's Do Launch is a course where I take people through everything they need to build a successful online business and a website. So they create a business plan. They create their marketing strategy. They write their copy and their content. They design their brand and we build their websites together. And so um, they come out out of the experience with a gorgeous website, but not just the website. What all of my, my students have said is, you know, I came out feeling confident about my business. I came out with a solid plan for taking my website and making it a tool that's going to make me money versus just a pretty ornament that makes me look good. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. So needed because it's not just a pretty website. It needs to be functional Mm-hmm. you and your business. So guys, I'll put the link to Let's Do Lunch in the show notes. Thank you so much, RKA a.k.a. Rachel, for joining us today. Uh, where can we find you online? Um, I am at rkaink.com. And I'm rkaink, rka Inc. with a K, is my handle on every social network ever invented in the history of the universe. Um, so you can find me there. And just, you know what? Check out awkwardmarketing.com. That's where you're going to have some fun. That's where we're going to have some laughs together. You can see me as Donald Trump with my tiny hands and so many more. So go check, go check out Awkward Marketing. Oh yes. And I'm going to put my favorites in the show notes as well. I love the one about this is the song that never ends, but I think it's like, this is the website that never ends. This is the sales call that never ends. Yes. So 
funny. Okay, I'm going to put those in the show notes. Thank you again, Rachel, a.k.a. RKA. I like it. You're the best. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. For links and everything we talked about, please check out the show notes by visiting SavvySocialPodcast.com. And don't be afraid to continue the conversation. I'd love to have you inside of the Facebook group. You can search for us on Facebook or simply go to SavvySocialCrew.com. See you there. Bye for now.